name is Liza Casapona, and I'm the managing editor of Retail Dive. I work with a group of passionate reporters and editors that won't shut up about the industry, so I decided to give them a podcast. Here's what we can't stop discussing and debating. Here's where we talk about the news outside of our reporting. Welcome to Retail's Backroom. Hey guys, this is Caroline Jansen, and today I'm here with Ben Unglesby, a senior reporter on Retail Dive. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Pier 1 and what led to its bankruptcy and what could come next. Hey, everybody. Caroline, you are our resident home goods category specialist uh, that's sort of on your beat, and you've been following Pier 1 for a while now and its category. I mean, just from your observations over the past year or so, how do you think we got here? What can you say about Pier 1 and home goods right now? Yeah, so over the years, there's been a lot of increased competition in the space, whether that's from online players like Amazon or Wayfair or um, off-pricers like home goods or even mass merchants revving up their own home goods offerings like Target and Walmart now. So these kind of companies were able to offer very similar products to Pier 1 but at a lower price point. So Pier 1 kind of fell into this bucket where it's not really higher end like Pottery Barn or Crate and Barrel, but they can't offer the low prices that maybe a mass merchant can offer. So consumers were increasingly losing reasons and excuses to shop with them. Caroline, you're, uh, would you say you're Gen Z? Can we get into that? <laughs> Do you mind <laughs> disclosing that on, on the fake radio? I'm... <laughs> I'm on the cusp of millennial and Gen Z. I'm just curious, have you ever shopped at a Pier 1? Do you shop at Pier 1? Have you ever been inside a Pier 1? Uh, I will say Pier 1 would not be my first choice for buying goods for my home. When was the last time you were inside a Pier 1? It's probably mm, last year, only because my mom wanted to stop in there to see if they had pillows, and they didn't. So we did not walk away with a purchase that day. Uh, But Ben, when was the last time you've been in a Pier 1? Similar story. I I was in there with my wife and kids maybe a month ago, and we were looking for something. Now I can't even remember what, but it was something my wife wanted for the house. And same story, they did not have it. And that was probably the first time I've been inside one for 10, 20 years. (laughs) I mean, I don't know anybody who shops at Pier 1 regularly. I mean, Um, now it seems like they used to have a differentiating factor where you could look at something and know that it came from Pier 1. And now it just seems kind of all the same as what you can get anywhere else, but you can get it anywhere else for a cheaper price. So why would you shop at Pier 1? Right. Yeah. When uh, when we were in there, uh, I just tried every single... I I do this whenever I'm in a furniture store. I don't know why, but I sit on every single chair in the store just to see if it's comfortable or not. Uh, I'm always in the market for a chair. And yeah, I've done the same thing at like a Ross and a Home Goods and a TJ Maxx. I could not tell you the difference in qualities of the chairs, but I could tell you the difference in prices. But other than the category just getting more saturated with competition, this retail bankruptcy is different than others, right, Ben? It's a little bit different from you know the pattern that we've seen it's a little bit of an outlier in just that it doesn't have a humongous debt load. So many of the bankruptcies, the big retail bankruptcies we followed, a lot of them were companies with huge amounts of debt, the vast majority of them from private equity buyouts. And you see companies that 
you know, face competitive problems like Pier One has seen shifts online for all the different reasons their customers are not coming there as much. And they're left kind of without the financial wherewithal to handle it, to invest in their business, to survive a downturn, to kind of figure out their next move. And they just get caught between a shifting market and their debt load. In the case of Pier 1, they did not have much debt. And it's increased in recent years just because they've been racking up losses. So really, like, Pier 1 is a story of just a pure competitive failure. I mean, I don't think you can call it anything other than that. They just got their clocks cleaned in the market. Their sales fell, and they fell so much that they couldn't support their financial structure anymore. They just Their losses got so bad that they just ran out of money. All the other bankrupt retailers face competitive problems too, but they at least maybe had, or some of them at least had like, if you took off all the debt, maybe something there, but they're just a pure loss making machine, pure one. So would you say this was one of the least surprising bankruptcies there have been? I mean, I know they've been on our watch list for, I don't know, the past four quarters at least. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the bankruptcies have been not surprising because, (laughs) you know, they they've been you know distressed for a little while the speed i think is a little surprising the speed with which they went from not doing great but still okay to bankrupt i mean and retail can happen fast but it was spring 2018 they were still turning a profit and now they're bankrupt i mean that was really fast i mean toys r us sears they lumbered under huge debt loads for years i mean sears it was racking up net losses for for years you know their sales are in decline for longer than that pier one just was like a meteor <laughs> i mean it just to me it seemed really fast between okay but not great to we're in chapter 11. so what options do they have in chapter 11 i know that they're they're pursuing a sale whether that means the full business or selling it off in parts so I mean, is there anybody who might be interested in buying them? Yeah, no, it's it's a good question. Yeah, it, it's kind of all of the above. They're pursuing a going concern sale. They have the option to reorganize and for the lenders to take over. And the lenders are just kind of waiting back and seeing what happens, like what kind of bids come in. And so they could sell themselves as, you know, what you call a going concern, basically just an intact company. They could dice it up. You know, some retailers might want to buy some leases and convert them to their own door or you know, these assets could go here, those could go there. Liquidation is still very much on the table. A liquidator could basically buy the assets and liquidate them, or there might be other avenues for the company to liquidate if an attractive bid doesn't come in. But yeah, it's hard to say now who would buy them because they've been for sale for a while. Yeah. I mean, they, they started reviewing their strategic options in, um, in 2018 and started looking for sellers in late 2018 and nothing so far. And they didn't go into bankruptcy with a bidder, you know, with, with what's called a dark horse bidder that kind of sets a baseline. And they've been talking to people. And, and it's it's a good sign that there are people who are interested, who have signed non-disclosure agreements to get more information. So that's something. But yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked to analysts, names get tossed out, um, but they're all very speculative. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that you've spoken with people who maybe suggested that JCPenney or Kohl's or a department store like that might buy the IP of Pier 1 and then sell it as a private label, right? Yeah, that's that's one possibility. Um, and especially, you know, 
JCPenney's, Kohl's, Macy's, they, they all play in the home goods category. All the department stores know that they need, need to differentiate their products. They need to offer something that isn't, you know, available in every other store. And there's still, you know, a lot of brand awareness of Pure One. Like everyone knows what Pure One is. They don't necessarily shop there, <laughs> but they know what Pure One is. It's been around for forever. And it's, you know, we, we see this a lot with, with other uh, retailers that have gone into bankruptcy. You know, it's a lot cheaper to buy a brand in bankruptcy that, you know, has cultivated an audience over decades, potentially, than to build one from the ground up. So if you can get a retail brand on the cheap in bankruptcy, it's a lot cheaper than starting from scratch if you're looking to launch a private label brand. One analyst tossed out the possibility of Wayfair, you know, if they wanted to get into the physical retail. Wayfair has financial troubles of its own. (laughs) It is a loss-making entity. (laughs) You can probably talk more about that, but... Wayfair has not been profitable since going public in 2014. I mean, they spent so much money on their marketing just because they're only operating mainly online. They have a couple stores now. So they've only been in the physical stores for a year or so. So just the cost of marketing online alone is just getting so prohibitively high for them that they're losing all this money quarter after quarters. I mean, maybe this would actually help them. Do you, do you get any sense that Wayfair would be, it, through Pier 1 or not, is in a position to expand into physical or, or is inclined to expand more into physical retail? I think they're going to be forced to do that, whether they want to or not, um, just because marketing costs alone to operate online is just getting so high for them. Yeah, that that's a topic for a whole nother podcast. Yeah. <laughs> D, DTC brands I mean, that are going that are that are opening stores because it's cheaper than a store is like billboards. So, so why wouldn't you just open one up? It's probably cheaper than I don't know all these online marketing channels like Facebook. Yeah, it's yeah. I people think it's you know free infrastructure more or less to sell online, but it's it's actually no. pretty costly. <laughs> The other thing that I ask around about is, you know, private equity. Um, but, you know, as, as people point out, there's not a good case for private. I mean, if you're a private equity company, you would have to think that you can turn around their losses quickly. I mean, all, all the efforts internally for Pier 1 to do that haven't panned out. Um, they've already cut a bunch of costs out of the business. I don't know how much more you could cut. You know, even though they don't have a big debt load, I mean, if you're just if you're buying a loss making company, that's not that's not even heavily indebted. And you don't even have like, you know, increasing operating income to point to as like, well, maybe there's something here that we can, you know, with some work, we can make this work. I mean, there's just it's it's hard to see a case. That's what analysts say is, you know, it's, it's hard to see a case for a private equity making a, a turnaround bid for this thing. So do you see it being maybe a relatively fast bankruptcy because they set the date for potential bids March 23rd and then the auction is going to be at the end of March, right? Yeah. It seems like there's not much time for bidders to submit. Yeah, it's it's a pretty tight timeline. And that's probably because the lenders want it that way. The longer they're in bankruptcy, the more they have to spend on, you know, the more they have to pay lawyers, the more rent Pier 1 has to pay. So... If they can't get uh, an attractive bid, you know, quickly, then it's not worth it. So they're at least giving it some time, you know, and and, and that's something. I mean, they've they've had a chance to, you know, like I said, they've they've kind of been up for sale for a while. They got more serious about it early this year. The lenders at least see some possible opportunity for, for a sale. 
or some sort of asset, either for a going concern sale or some sort of asset sale for it to be worth the time and money they're throwing at it for now, even though it's not a ton. The Pier 1 CEO, who's, who's still pretty new, do you remember when he was? He wasn't appointed CEO until a couple months ago, but he's been the CFO. So that's the other thing. He's serving oh, yeah. as both the CFO and the CEO of this company. Oh, so yeah. that was kind of a big red flag from the start. <laughs> But no, he's only been on the he's only been at the helm for a couple months. Yeah, you know when when they first started seeing sales declines, um, you know, late last decade, they tried to turn around plan. This is under a different CEO, and basically they brought in lower cost, lower price goods to sell, and that was a disaster. <laughs> that was that was arguably worse than if they had not done anything at all to try to turn things around. I think they alienated some of their customers. And then they were left with all this cheap crap that nobody wanted to buy that they had to sell at even deeper discounts and that compounded their losses, yada, yada, yada. And the new CEO says, you know, they have a new strategy that's more like carefully curated and less mass market, whatever. But there's reasons to think that that's doing better. But it hasn't had a lot of time to like prove itself, to prove even if a more thoughtfully curated peer one store is still going to attract customers. They're taking pains to show people that there is something of value here and they're kind of leaving it to the market to decide whether there's any place in the market anymore for Pier 1. That's a big question. Yeah. So Ben, from here, what really are the next steps? I know if they end up selling their IP, what does that look like in the past for other retailers? Yeah. So we'll find out as you mentioned, in about a month, what bids are out there and, you know, we'll see who wins at auction. And again, any number of things could come out of that process. It could be Pier 1 as a whole company. It could be Pier 1 in parts. We've seen other retailers liquidate and sell off their IP. It's been kind of interesting to follow the, the afterlife of that IP. And yeah, some some retailers have ended up just as brands on on a product yeah like nine west yeah and they're in they're in kohl's they're not like a kohl's private label but they they have a big deal with kohl's right yeah sharper image is one that i see a lot i see sharper image products in target a lot and it's and it makes sense especially when you have a brand that's you know commonly associated with a category so you know sharper images weird electronics the retailer is gone and maybe there's not a business case for the retailer anymore but people still know the sharper image name so if, if you're just a manufacturer and have a weird electronic you know product why not try and license the, the sharper image brand or um fao schwartz is another right you know yeah. toy store and people associate it with toys and it's it's a product and i see fao schwartz i see it in marshall's now i've seen it in barnes and noble there's a lot of others I could see a case for Pier 1 as a product brand or maybe a shop within a shop buying the whole thing, even a slimmed down retailer because they're they're shutting down for sure 450 stores. Mm-hmm. Up to 450 um, stores. It would leave their footprint at like 540, which is nearly half of what they have now. So Yeah. So so even the case for a slimmed down Pier 1 either to buy or for the, the lenders to take over and reorganize, I don't talk to a lot of people who see that. You see that as the outcome here, but it's possible. So what you're saying is you think that they could emerge from bankruptcy just in a different form. Yeah. It's not going to be the pure one that we see today, probably. De- definitely not. I mean, it'll definitely be smaller. It might not be a retailer anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, every- everything is on the table right now, and we're going to find out 
in maybe a month, maybe longer. But in, in, in the next month or two, we'll, we'll have a much, much better idea. And it, it could be any, any number of things. All right. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to catch us next time.